Hey, Cracked fans. If you're a listener of this podcast, I imagine you feel fairly similar to how I do about the latest clothing options made available across the tennis market. Now, while I won't call out any brand in particular, I will say this. Given the exorbitant nature of the latest designs, feels like you better be pretty freaking good at tennis if you want to wear that sort of clothing on the court. Now, thankfully, we here at Crack Rackets are now able to provide a far more suitable, far more comfortable, and I'm going to be honest, far more stylish option for all of our Crack Rackets fans, courtesy of our friends over at Lucky Racket. Lucky Racket uses some of the best fitting and feeling tees in the world. Their shirts are combed, ring-spun, heirloom cotton, and tri-blend Bella and Canvas. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds spectacular. So, how can you get yourself some Lucky Racket gear? It's simple. Just go to their website, luckyracket.com, that's L-U-C-K-Y-R-A-C-K-E-T.com, and use our promo code CRACK15. If you do, you'll get 15% off all of your purchases. That means 15% off the shirts, 15% off all of the incredible swag offered by our friends. Again, that's luckyracket.com. The promo code is CRACK15. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, December 28th. If it's a Tuesday, you know what that means. We're running back one of our favorite series of the 2021 season. Of course, it's called Tennis Point Tuesdays, our show with our friends over at Tennis Point to talk about not only the latest and greatest equipment out there on the tennis market, but to talk about all things happening across levels in the tennis world. And if it's Tennis Point Tuesday, there's only one guest who's going to be joining me on this show. I know him as Nate Dog. You know him as Nate Walrath. Nate, welcome back to the show, my friend. Happy belated birthday. Westoff hit that birthday sound effect. How are you doing today? Great day, man. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. Feels like we're going to have a big day today. You know, we have a level four, which is playing more like a level two in Cincinnati at uh, Western Athletic Club where I grew up playing. So, I mean, I was looking at the, at the talent and it's a, a draw of 64. I mean, I'm looking at the seventh seed. I'm like, there's no way this is a level four. I think there's a lot of guys that didn't qualify for the Winter Nationals uh, got into this draw. I mean, there's people from L.A. to New York to South Carolina. So, town to town out there. Excited to watch more of that. And these kids are, I mean, they put down their Christmas toys and hit the courts. You just love to see it. There are two things I want to say off of that. A, perhaps the nerdiest thing you have ever said to me is it's a level four, it's playing like a level two. There's like six listeners out there who would be like, oh, I totally get what Nate's saying with that point. And yeah, I, to your point, it's Winter Nationals, Week Boys, Girls 12, 14, 16s, 18s. That's an end-of-year tradition. And you got to love the USTA scheduling, by the way. The level one Nats always the weekend after Thanksgiving. The winter Nats always the weekend of Christmas, New Year. They just love ruining holidays over at the USTA, or I suppose making holiday traditions out of tennis. But part B, I wanted to... Oh, sorry, go ahead. These kids don't need family time, do they? (laughs) 
<laughs> the tennis court is their family, Nate. Haven't we all learned that? We are one extended tennis family here. It doesn't matter who you're spending with. But part B there, I just want you to know, I make it a point now in life never to get up before 8 a.m. unless absolutely necessary. If I am, it means I must really love you. I must really freaking love you, Nate Dog, to be up this I, Justin, I, I appreciate you very much for this. And you, you look great. You look like you're ready to rock and shine. Yeah. Everybody better get the warm, baby. Well, I make it a point nowadays to never open my eyes beyond 75%. So, you know, it's it's pretty hard to tell how awake I am or not awake. But, of course, yes, there is no way I would rather start a Tuesday than talking with you, my friend. And, of course, one of the things we always do here on Tennis Point Tuesday is share what's the latest and greatest equipment, what are the latest and greatest deals available with our friends over at Tennis Point, of course. Got to throw this plug out here right away. Holiday season still sort of happening right now. Maybe you're a little late on your Christmas gifts, on your Hanukkah, on your Kwanzaa gifts. Maybe you just like to offer your family a new pair of shoes to ring in the new year. Whatever it may be, you can find all the best equipment with our friends at Tennis Point. You go to tennis-point.com right now. You can get fit and use our promo code CR15. Not only will you let them know we sent you there, you can get 15% off your order free. Two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. That's tennis-point, the symbol, not the spelling, tennis Dashpoint.com. The promo code is CR15. With all of that in mind, Nate Dog, I know there are some year-end sales going on right now. Hit us with the details. What should we be looking for? Yeah, for sure there are. We got the year-end clearance going on right now. Um, the thing that caught my eye, we had the new Nike 2022 preview, first off. That's uh, going forward. Hey. Yes, definitely. Uh, Nike and Adidas, I've got a glimpse at both of their 2022 collections. Big fan of both. Excited, excited to launch those. Um, but as far as the deals go, we have Nike and Adidas up to 50% marked off uh, on both brands. Nike has a, um, I mean, the bucket hats are back. Those things are back, and I think I'm a big fan. I got one last week myself. But, uh, I, I got to know, what's Gruskin's takes on bucket hats? Like, when you see somebody wearing a bucket hat, what does that, what does that tell you about that person? Well, listeners, obviously, it's a podcast medium, so they can't see this, although sometimes you can see clips over on our social media channel where we'll post. Right now, I've got some nice flow going, right? I've got, I, I call it, I make fun of, so I had a college, my college doubles partner, Max Rothman, former co-host of this podcast. He used to call long hair like this because he's from California. I used to just always make fun of his vernacular. He used to call stuff like this lechuga, which I was like, I don't know what that word means, but I really like it. I've got some lechuga flowing right now out of the side of my hat. I think if you've got a good lechuga, you can absolutely rock the bucket hat. He also used to call things that were good hummus and that things that were bad lummus. And so that quickly uh, evolved into me calling things lamous that were bad. I would say – I mean I would say bucket hat is hummus. Like it is. If you can rock the bucket hat well, I have no issues with it. I know there's um, KP Panu who was a baller, I want to say. Is it Columbus State? I forget which one is the D2 champs uh, over in Ohio, but he played for them, and they won a bunch of different titles. And he, I I was at this exhibition event, and he was rocking the bucket hat the entire time, and it was awesome. Like I would love to see first-round Roger Federer just dust someone in a bucket hat. I would love this. I mean, that just screams, I'm here for a good time. Yeah. Like, you're, you're just bringing the vibes. I, I rocked a bucket hat the other day when I was teaching, and the kids, like, I'm just usually a backward type of guy, and they're all like, yeah. what the heck? What are they all looking at me like crazy? I'm like, guys, rock a bucket hat. You'll feel good about yourself. Oh, but, 100%. <laughs> the 2022 Nike collection, quick shout-outs to, for women, 
really cool Nike Court logo tank top. Um, if I, I mean, it caught my eye right away. I love the, the design of it, super clean. And then for, for the men, the Nike Heritage Polo, another great on-court or off-court in the office type look. So, yeah, shout out to Nike's new collection. Be sure to go to our website, check out that stuff. And, um, yeah, you guys have a lot of, clear, lot of year-end clearance sales that you guys can take advantage of. The big takeaway here is it's never too late to maybe buy your gifts for the 2022 Christmas. Just lock those bad boys in now. I don't know anyone who knows there's a bucket hat coming 12 months down the road who wouldn't be like, all right, I have something to look forward to all year long. And we're all looking to set goals, set goals, get in shape to rock that bucket hat. I like that. Obviously, again, all of this gear available. You know, now's the perfect time. Go to tennis-point.com. Use that promo code CR15. Update your look. Feel good on the court heading into 2022. That's all we can ask. Tennis-point.com. That promo code is CR15. With that said, we want to have some fun here on our year-end show. And nothing screams fun like making some 2022 predictions. Of course, before we do that, we do have to do a little bit of a news update and that's simply because we had a couple of big you know developing off-court storylines over the past couple of days weeks as all these players begin traveling down to Australia for the Australian Open and of course I didn't prepare you for any of this Nate that's how you know welcome back to Tennis Point Tuesday my friend this is my birthday gift for you oh you guys should see Nate's doing a pump up right now with his hands we'll try and get some sound effect to reflect that fact um but you know, the crowd is on their feet, Crossy. Yeah, the crowd is on their feet. I love it. Well, I think the biggest news item, and we learned it this morning as we were waking up, no Dominic team at the 2022 Australian Open. Now, of course, he was the finalist in 2020, U.S. Open champion 2020. We really haven't seen much of him since that uh, championship title at the U.S. Open. And, of course, you look back at Dominic team's Bummer. history, and I think this is important to point out. 2021, he plays 18 matches. 2020, he plays 34 matches. Here are the totals, though, in the seasons prior to 2020, 2021, prior, pre-pandemic Dominic team. 66 matches in 2019. You'd think that's a lot, right? 76 in 2018. 74 in 2017. 84 in 2016, which in retrospect is just nuts. Of course, 64, 2015, 45, 2014. That's, you know, the seasons before that, he's playing at the challenger level. So, really, since 2014, he has been, you know, right up there. And in fact, I think if you go from 2014 to 2019, he was your leader in matches Mm -hmm. played on the ATP Tour. Now, unfortunately, he's had a bunch of different nagging injuries uh, plague him since that end of the 2020 season. We really didn't get to see him healthy at all in 2021. And he announced this morning that as a measure of precaution, as a way to prepare himself for the rest of the 2022 season, that he'll be skipping Australia, that he's not going to head down there, not going to be able to defend his points as such. He's going to fall out of the top 40, which is crazy to think. And of course, you look at Dominic Team, you know, sneaky turning 29 this year. And you look for Dominic Team, the amount of matches he's played, Obviously, the rising talents of the next, you know, he's not a next gener. He is a generation older than those guys. He is clearly someone who, you know, 2019, 2020, that's the prime of Dominic Team's career from a career trajectory standpoint. And again, you can't control injuries. I'm not trying to blame him for these injuries, but you can control your playing schedule. And I'm just a bit concerned, you know, Nate, with all of the matches he's played, just the wear and tear on his body because he is someone who plays such a violent brand of tennis. And by that, I mean every swing Dominic team takes is just so explosive. 
I am completely fine with him skipping this Australia. I understand why he's making that decision. We want his body to be healthy moving forward. But how concerned are you about team as we enter 2022? I mean, first off, as a tennis fan, it's a massive bummer to not have a massive talent like Dominic bummer. Team. Great call. Yeah, I mean, not to have not to have a guy like Dominic Team who's just an easy guy to root for, who's a super a superb talent. To not have him on the tour is a massive loss, and I miss watching his style of play. He was a guy that could challenge the top talents on all surfaces, and you could kind of feel he was missed. I feel like it was like you want that one more tough match for Medvedev or Novak before they get into the semis or to the final, and um, I just feel like those guys weren't getting that match without a guy like Team in there to battle. Um, but I was always concerned, even at the time Team was going through this crazy scheduling. Uh, where he was playing every 250, 500 event, it felt like that he could get into. Like he was always showing love to his homeland and getting into uh, tournaments in Austria that were, I mean, quite frankly, that like he was head and shoulders better than the rest of the field. And I and I, I respected it. I thought that was cool that he was going to um, show out for his people and um, give them something to watch. But I was always like, this guy is just playing way too much tennis uh, at a young age that he's going to burn himself out a little bit. And so I hope that these younger guys. Um, can learn from that and kind of see that longevity is, is, is the game that they're trying to play and try to prolong their careers as much as they can. Uh, that's why I think it's so impressive what the big three has done and uh, able to last this long is because they, it, it is, I think uh, scheduling is a huge part of um, your, your success plan and team. He just loves to compete. You can't get him off the court and it almost happened to his detriment. And now he's kind of paying the, the, the uh, paying the uh, cost of it. And, you know, his wrist, with, with the way he swings at the ball, especially on the backhand, his wrist is taking so much torque. And it's just, like you said, it's a violent swing. And so it's easy to see how it's affected his his physical um, well-being. And I, I hope team can get right. I just, I'm a big fan of him. I think the tour, he just does so much for the tour and so much for tennis. So I'm hoping him the best and we need to get him back on court ASAP. You nailed it. And tennis is a better place with Dominic team. There's no denying that. You also nailed it. This is a cautionary tale for all of those next-gen guys and younger. And in particular, you know who this injury has me most concerned about from a scheduling standpoint is Andre Rublev. Andre Rublev found a way to play 51 matches in a pandemic-shortened 2020 season. He played 77 matches last year, Nate. That's, I'm pretty sure, the most on the ATP Tour and just... Look, I think it's very similar. Both of those guys, so violent in their swings. There's so much racket speed, so much aggression, and obviously that's what makes them such captivating players for us as fans to enjoy. But you just can't, you know, you do, can't protect the body. There's just a lot think, of wear yeah. and tear. Do you think it's tough for those guys, particularly Rublev and team, that are in their prime and they feel like they're playing the best tennis of their life, for them to t- kind of take a seat and take some weeks off, do you think that's harder when you're playing? You feel like you're at the peak of your powers? Not a doubt in my mind. That's exactly what it is. And in particular, Andre Rublev's a guy who wants to swing through his problems. Andre Rublev's a guy who, if he takes a bad loss one week, he's signing up the next week. Give me that wild card into the 250. I want to keep playing. And to an extent, again, I think that's what makes them so captivating as talent. I think that's why we love them as players because you can just tell, you know, their their fondness for playing is palpable. And like with all, you know, I I do think, and I want to give credit to you know Medvedev, Zverev. I think Tsitsipas leans towards this chase tournaments a little bit more early in his career. I think he's gotten better at scheduling as we've gone along. But I think Zverev, Medvedev, obviously Djokovic, Nadal, Federer have done such a better job. I mean. Obviously, of late, the big three are going to be particularly cautious about this fact of just, you know, again, 
maintaining their bodies and being cautious with the schedule. Of course, we're going to see them at the big events, but if they're in a position where the ranking says, hey, you don't have to play a 250 this week, they're going to skip that 250. And I just think, you know, again, we're focusing on the men's side here, obviously, because team's the most prominent example, but I think on both sides of the tour, over schedule, you know, the nuance of the scheduling, of course, that's not something we focus on too deeply here at Crack Rackets. We want to talk about the forehands, the backhands, the mechanics, the physicality, etc. But with physicality being such a big part of the game now, freshness is essential. Like, I don't know how else to say it. There's a reason NBA players rest after back-to-backs. There's, you know, all we see rest and recuperation, recovery is such a bigger part of the game now than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And again, to not to keep beating on this point, this is a cautionary tale for all of those next-gen guys, all of those 25 and youngers. In particular, look, if you're outside the top 100, outside the top 50, you're chasing points. You're still going yeah. after accolades. And of course, no one's going to knock you for doing that. That's what you have to do to survive in this sport. But once you've maintained that top 50, top 30 schedule, it's something we should probably be focusing on more moving forward. You have to be balanced with yeah. your scheduling. And again, I guess my biggest takeaway, and we're hoping for Dominic team's recovery. And again, he spoke pretty openly. This was a decision by he and his team after a great training block they had, uh, I believe, over in, I want to say, Abu Dhabi or Dubai, you know, mm-hmm. or in Dubai, excuse me, where he was feeling comfortable. And, you know, they put in a good amount of work but he just wants to be, you know, he wants to show some caution. He wants to say, yeah. I'll come back at the clay court swing in South America. You can understand that decision. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly, again, we want to see. It, it just sucks because it felt like Dominic team, particularly at the end of 2020, and it just felt like that he won that first Grand Slam of the non-Big 3 era. It just felt like, okay, maybe yep. the dam is breaking. And certainly at the French Open, he's played <clears> some <throat> you know great matches against Djokovic. And you know he's come up against Nadal a couple of times yep. in the final. And it felt like he was the heir apparent on that surface whenever the Nadal era ends at the French Open. He'll be that. He was positioned to be that next guy. Well, since he's disappeared, obviously Tsitsipas has made a French Open final. Zverev continues to look great on clay courts. And now we get guys like Yannick Sinner, Carlos Alcaraz, who are clearly going to be elite on clay courts. I'm not saying Dominic Team's window has closed on him because obviously if he is still healthy, how explosive he hits the ball, what an athlete he is, he can get right back to the top of men's tennis if healthy. But that's mm-hmm. not the caveat. For Dominic Team, It's no longer just a given that he's going to be there. And in particular, if you're not healthy, if you're working your way back, those young guys are really freaking good. And he's not mm-hmm. going to have the, you know, the benefits of a top 40 seed now. Life could get a little bit trickier for Dominic Team. He's going to get back to the top 30. He's going to get back to the yeah. top 20. I'm not saying he's not. But I just, it's going to get tricky for him now. Fans are going to have to wait. To the uh, to the red dirt to, to debut those new barricades. For yeah, Dominic, so um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good call as well. And by the way, worth noting, team's not the only one. I know you know Denis Shapovalov tests positive for COVID, and Andre Rublev also testing positive for COVID. I think six of the participants, I believe, Owen Jabour did. Uh, you know, six of the participants who played in the Mubadala Abu Dhabi exhibition event have tested positive for COVID, which just obviously devastating. But I I do want to give a quick pivot here i suppose the zag on all of those positive tests Mm -hmm. i actually think that's a a good thing for the sport here it a shows all these players are getting down to australia and yeah they're testing positive now but given the timeline and we learned today the cdc you know 10 days to five days all these different things it means they're going to be healthy 
for the Australian mm-hmm. Open. Hopefully, and yeah, this may screw up their preparation, but it should ensure that we're able to see them play. Yeah. And, you know, it's better that they test positive now as opposed to testing positive in a week or two weeks. And yeah, it affects the ATP Cup, but I think we all agree we'd rather have a full Australian Open than a full ATP for Cup. Sure. Yep. I, it's in, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts as this Australian? Are, are, first of all, are you ready for tennis to begin? We're like six days away, my friend, from the season rocking and rolling. I'm ready. I mean, I could... 2020 or 2021 season felt like it was forever long, but now this off season already feels like it's. I know it's too long. long. Is the off season I mean, too long? Is that the pivot it, here? It's. <laughs> it's I, I would. Yeah. It's no, not. it's not. With these guys, these guys are probably just coming up for air now. Yeah. But as a tennis fan, you try to turn on, you turn on the tennis channel, and you're like, another replay. All right, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Yeah. You come back, another replay. It's like, but college tennis is coming around too, so we'll have our hands full here coming up shortly. But back to what you were saying about the uh, Australian Open. Luckily, I think this variant is probably not as harmful to people's physical well-being. Uh, my dad just came down with it two days ago, and it didn't seem to have many effects outside of, like, simple aches and stuff. So hopefully these guys are um, somewhat healthy and it, they can kind of overcome that in their youth and prime of their like, athletic careers. And I, I think that means that we get, a hopefully, a pretty um, full draw as far as um, people that are going to be in Australia and healthy. So that's, I guess, the, the positive in all this. But I'm just ready for all this stuff to be over with. And hopefully we can just, I don't know. Well, I don't know what the riddle is. Maybe everybody gets boosters till the end of time or what? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no. I mean, that according to, again, we are not scientists, but it sounds like 90% of the top 100 is vaccinated. That's why it feels like so many of these players, A, are experiencing mild symptoms and B, are yeah. going to be able to bounce back and play these events once, you know, the COVID clears their system. Obviously, wishing your dad a speedy and safe recovery as well. Um, but no, it's, you know, again, we're not going to do another 10-minute segment on Novak no. Djokovic. I make it a point not to talk about will Djokovic or won't he play the Australian Open because what the f*** do we know, Nate? Like, he'll either play it and he'll be there or yeah. he won't be. So there's no he'll, point he'll play. He's well, playing. Will he be allowed to I, play, though? That's the yeah. well, Are we about to do a 10-minute segment on it? Um, no, no, no I, I would bet a lot of money that Novak Djokovic plays the Australian Open, though. You would I think? Would, yeah. No, you I would think so. I think he's going to miss that event. Yeah, um, again, it's the point being we are ready for more tennis. Although the Challenger yeah. Tour gets like two weeks off and like that's it. They could probably yeah. afford a slightly longer off season. There are always ITF events happening. And of course, over the past couple of months, we've had a bunch of fun right. exhibitions. We've had world team tennis. There has been ways to get your tennis fixed. That said, absolutely excited for the start of 2022. And of course, we also learned this morning a couple of wild cards going Nick Kyrgios's way. So we should see him in the early events over in Australia. It's okay. crazy that Kyrgios needs wild cards now to get into these yeah. events. That said, that's got to be the easiest wild card given in Australian tennis history where Nick was like, <laughs> hey, I would like to play. And they're like, all right, you can play. I, I hope his Instagram is a accurate depiction of what he's actually up to because it looks like he's working out and getting his body right because that's really all all he's ever needed is to, like, to focus on the body, put on some muscle, make sure he can last throughout these best of five matches. And, I mean, the talent's never been in question. He's, he's got the weapons. So if he can get his body right and get to a place where he feels comfortable being on the court for two, over two hours against these top guys, I think Nick can still do some damage. And I'm rooting for him. I, I think he can be a big um, a big draw. To, to Obviously, I, I, we know he can be a big draw to tennis. And he'll, he'll bring in casual fans, which is what we all want. And so people can enjoy this game at the, at the peak of its powers in a, mate, in a grand slam. So to get him a uh, – and a wild card, like you said, very easy decision, and hopefully he takes advantage of it because 
I do think he can lift this sport, uh, unlike many others. I mean, some of the top talents just don't have the, the name and kind of the uh, heavyweight feel that he, he brings to a, to a court. What a joy it would be if he just trolls the entire tennis world by getting in crazy shape this offseason and winning the 2022 Australian Open. That would be delightful. By the way, I mentioned the Podoroska, or, you know, if we're going to talk about Dominic Team withdrawing, Nadia Podoroska forced to withdraw due to injury as well from the Australian Open, perhaps more significantly. Karolina Pliskova screws up her hand, her wrist. She's out of the Australian Open as well. That's, you know, significant because she was playing some really outstanding tennis down the home stretch of 2021. And, you know, again, in terms of windows closing on Grand Slam titles, no window is ever closed right now on the WTA Tour, just given the parity right now we see in the women's game. But certainly Karolina Pliskova is closer to the end of her than she is the beginning, so you do feel like that's a missed opportunity for her. That said, again, all of these players working their way down to Australia, slowly but surely, as Nate mentioned, you look at the Instagrams, you look at the social media files, all of them indicating these players rearing to go, ready to get back to competition, and certainly we as tennis fans are ready to see them return to the court as well. But with that in mind, Let's have some fun. It's a game I like to call Speculation Jones. It's just because I had a roommate in college who anytime he used the word speculation would throw the word Jones after it. Not sure why to this date, but it's stuck in my brain. Let's play a game of Speculation Jones, Nate. Let's make some predictions for the 2022 season. Of course, all of these predictions subject to change as we learn more about the fields at the Australian Open, as we get to see these players, I don't know, actually hit a tennis ball throughout the course of the 2022 season, but no prefaces. I don't need any disclaimers. You guys know predictions are supposed to be fun. We want to have fun with this segment. We want to have some fun to end our year here on Tennis Point Tuesdays. So let's make some predictions, Nate, and I think the place we have to start, everyone wants to know who's going to win the Grand Slams, who's going to win the granddaddies of them all in 2022. Let's go chronologically. We'll start with the Australian Open. Now, let's, we're going to do you know two rounds on the men's side always. We're going to have the preface that Novak Djokovic plays all these Grand Slams, and then I suppose we'll do the preface of Novak Djokovic not playing in these Grand Slams. And I have to say, the only tournament where I know he's going to be granted a medical exemption is the U.S. Open. You can lock in right now Novak Djokovic, regardless of what he's doing with his own vaccine status, and I'm, we're not going to speculate on that. I, again, I've made that abundantly clear. I just think speculation, what he's doing is stupid, because unless you're part of Team Djokovic, you're never going to learn that answer. Mm-hmm. I can tell you right now, the U.S. will grant him a medical exemption, regardless of what's going on. I guarantee you yep. we will see Novak in New York. I can't say the same, just because I know less about the governments in England. I know less about the government in France, in Australia. It's already been a very public fight about what they're going to do with Novak Djokovic. But let's start with the Australian Open, the assumption he's playing. Nate Dogg, Australian Open, men's, women's, singles champion. I'll let you go for We'll alternate who goes first to, you know, not put too much pressure on each of us. But you start first. Australian Open champ, who you got and why? Did you already give a Keats prediction? I think I heard that. I think you gave an early glimpse into yours. So I'll I'll, I'll stay away from Nick on this one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, For the men, this is a place that, I mean, I'm just assuming he's in the field and Novak Djokovic has won plenty of times to for me to think that he can do it again in capture number 21. I just think he's going to be uh, – the pressure's kind of relieved after the uh, the like the, the golden grand slam didn't happen and uh, after the U.S. Open. So I think he's back to feeling like himself. I think 
the offseason always kind of seems to do him a favor when getting his body back and ready for a big season. And I just think it, it feels like his home court, that's a tough place to take him out. I'll, I'll take Novak Djokovic um, over maybe a rematch of last year, maybe over Medi again. Yeah, it's hard to pick anyone but Djokovic, right? I mean, you look throughout the course of his career, he's been so dominant in Australia. And it's funny, everyone talks about the dominance, obviously, of Rafa at the French Open. Rafa's won, what, like 14, 13 French Open titles, whatever it may be. 14, 14 in 2022. Yeah, there we go. So your prediction already on the board. But, like, let's keep in mind, Djokovic has won nine Australian Opens. Like, that's freaking yeah, nuts. Stupid. That's so freaking impressive. And you're right. He has just been so dominant at the start of the year because he comes in healthy. He comes in fit. Yep. And when Djokovic is healthy and fit, quite frankly, he doesn't lose on a hard court. And I <laughs> tweeted out this stat yesterday, and I apologize for plugging my own Twitter, but, like, to me, this stat was the single most incredible thing I think I've seen out of Novak Djokovic. And, you know, it, it's the fact that, you know, last year just two players won 50% or more of their matches after dropping the first set. Djokovic was 13-6, and six, and it's a 68% win percentage. Daniil Medvedev, 9-9. Nine and nine. Best women's player, Danielle Collins at 8-10. and 10. For what it's worth, Tsitsipas, Zverev, Rafa, all one match under 500 in terms of after dropping the first set. But here's the more impressive stat. Djokovic, since the start of 2010, 89-85 after dropping the first set. A winning record, Nate. After dropping the first set, more impressive. Yeah. Six twenty and twenty after he wins the first set. So if he wins the first set, you're screwed. If he loses the first set, you're still probably going to lose. Probably. It's just like, what are we doing here? This guy is it's just, just, it's just ridiculous. Like anytime you want to find a new statistic for Novak Djokovic to symbolize and emphasize his greatness, you can. And it's just, it continues to bewilder me. And so, yeah, if he's playing the event. How can you pick as bad as he looked at last year's Australian Open and until the final? And let's be clear, mm-hmm. he was bad in Australia last year. He almost lost to Fritz. He almost lost to Tiafo. It, you know, mm-hmm. I I continue to think that Alex Zverev should have beaten him in their quarterfinal match, where Zverev was up breaks in three of the four sets, and, you know, or excuse me, in all four of the sets, and you know, ends up losing that match in four. He did look vulnerable, and I do think early on is where you're going to have to clip Novak in Australia, particularly given he's not going to be playing ATP Cup. We know that for a fact right now. That said, if he's in the draw, he's your champion. Like, you're a fool if you're picking anyone but Novak in Australia. He's always thrived in those conditions, and as fit as Medvedev is, as fit as Zverev is, he's got to be the pick. Is he the when you think of athletes with mental toughness? Is he at the top of the list of like guys that you just think like he's just a possessed guy when it comes to competing? Like I don't know if we'll ever see somebody like him. I mean, I, I we have Roger, Roger and Rafa have done crazy things, but those guys when they're like you can kind of sense when they're down when they have a little bit of doubt in themselves. They it's there's a there's a five percent difference between them and Novak, and I'm a I'm a Rafa guy. Like I've but with Novak like. He really never, you really never feel like he's out until you shake hands. Like, I just think he can problem solve and he believes in his ability to break down an opponent and find his game, whether it's shortened points or lengthened points. He can really, like, he solves the riddle so many ways and provides so many problems for these top guys. It's like, there's a doubt in these top, even the youngsters, they've all said it like, they don't even know when, the, when they can believe that they can beat this guy because he just has so many different things up his sleeve and. His, his, the bag is limitless. He, he can go in and kind of 
find whatever's working for him that day, whether he needs to mix in a drop shot, bring his opponent in, whether he needs to just push from the baseline or go big serve, big forehand. And it's like he has so many answers to, to the problems. And I think at the Australian Open, he's been able to do it the, the uh, most frequent. And I just think it's a, a guy that's going to go in there with a lot of confidence, um, as he always does. And I, I think that's the guy I'm, I'm going to ride. I respect nothing more than Rafa's discipline and just his point-after-point intensity because you get the same Rafa Nadal every single point that he is on court. And it doesn't matter if it's an exhibition. It doesn't matter if it's a Grand Slam final. That is what makes Rafa who he is, that intensity, that effort he gives. That said, there's only one human in the world who can say, you know what, I'm just not going to miss for the next hour and a half. And that human's Novak Djokovic, to your point. And it's just, there's a brick wall gear mode he can get to, and he still showed it at times last year, which at age 34, again, f***ing ridiculous. It's just like, Mm -hmm. to an extent, what are we doing here, Nate Dog? This guy is just super, again, so talented, uh, and just physically, I've made this point before, but like, you know, at the end of the match... It's justified that he looks up to the sky and looks at God and he says, thank you, God. Like, you actually blessed me beyond everyone else. Because it's true. It's like Novak Djokovic can do things that no other human can do. And my, I, I, I got old takes exposed. Listeners are probably sick of hearing this at the end of last year when, you know, Djokovic made – because I tweeted at the end of 2019 like, oh, I'm not – or 2020. I'm not so sure Djokovic is going to fly over the 20 slam mark because his game is so predicated on physicality. What happens if he loses a step? Like you feel like Djokovic losing a step is more significant than Federer losing a step, than Rafa losing a step. The thing that's so insane, Nate Dog, is that he hasn't lost a step. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, he was – he you know, he was – burnt out at the Australia or at the US Open final last year. But that was after he had won the first three majors of the year. And that's after he put all of this intensity into the Olympics. And just what, again, yeah. he's had an off season to rest. What, like what, that's why you bet on him. One of my favorite Novak Djokovic moments that happened was he was on a practice court in uh Marago Academy against Medvedev. First off, having the world number one and number two practicing against each other, unbelievable. I mean what other sport does that happen where you get the two best guys in the game going head-to-head in a practice set. And they showed that they put out a video of Novak going, chasing down a backhand, sliding into it, and then chasing down a drop shot and hitting a cross-court short-angle flip shot. It's just like, and Medvedev was just like, he just couldn't believe it. He's like, this guy still, do-. and like, that just shows you that like, Novak can still do this at a high level. The durability, the flexibility, the burst, it's all still there. He brings it, he brings it to the practice court. Like, it's not just there. Like, the, the fact that he's doing that at his age, is unbelievable. And I think what him and Murray did from a physical standpoint in 2021 was one of the most impressive things that I saw this past season. Okay, you bring up Murray. <clears throat> I, it is worth mentioning. Andy has gotten so much better. And I know we talked about this, or I mean, and it may not have been with you, but I, I recapped No, we talked about it a few times. Just like that six month stretch he had where he went from, he looked like a top 150 guy to back to being a top 40 guy. Like, I mean, he's back pushing guys like Hercotch around in these matches and looks like he can stand based on the baseline and his backhand got heavier and heavier. He got quicker out of the corners. The forehand looked beefier. He was moving forward. He's, he, I mean, he just got stronger throughout the year. And I mean, his, his physicality just continued to improve with his match play. Yeah, the question is, can he win, again, four, five, best of five set matches in a row? I know I talked about this with David Gertler. That's who we did the full podcast on Mubadala with. 
Um, I mean, I don't think Andy Murray is going to win a Grand Slam this year. I want to be clear. But I do think his level is inching back to the point where, A, if he returns into the top 30 of the ATP rankings, not going to shock me. And given the last time we saw him in Australia, they did the retirement video for him, which, by the way, could end up like one of the funniest documents in tennis history. Um, Yeah, I I think he's exciting to watch. Again, if it's not going to be Djokovic, let's say he's not in the draw, you take in Medvedev? Um, because you know who I'm taking. I don't even have to say the pick out loud. Yeah, like, I, I would go with Medvedev. I mean, even though like that finals match last year didn't leave a great taste in my mouth, I felt like he was. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think you said he played Novak, but it didn't look like he believed in that moment and that in in that in Melbourne at least. He it didn't look like he was quite there mentally. So maybe he's kind of conquered that. Um, but I, I still think Zverev is is going to be a problem. Uh, yeah. you, you get him on a fast hard court. Uh, he seems like he's enjoying his tennis as much as he ever has. He's got a lot of confidence, um, and he seems to just getting closer and closer to kind of ecl- eclipsing that that mental hurdle of overcoming one of these big guys at, at, at a slam. No, I, I've said it before. Forty nine on hard courts last year was Vera. You know, I think six of the losses were to Djokovic or, or Medvedev. The other ones, Fritz seven six in the third. You know, lost to Bublik in Rotterdam first match post Australia, whatever. And then a loss to Rusevori first match post Acapulco. Yeah, I mean, you look for Zverev at the Australian Open, and I mean, you could say these same things probably about Medvedev over the past couple of years, and I'll look this up momentarily, but like for him, you look for Zverev, 2019, loses round of 16 to Milos Raonic. That's probably not the best loss. Then 2020, semifinals, four-set loss to Dominic Team. That was a fantastic match. Mm-hmm. Ends up, yeah, you know, it was 3-6-6-4-7-6-7-6. That was a delightful one. He then... You know, last year, 6-7-6-2-6-4-7-6. So, yeah, he was up a break in three of the four sets, excuse me, against Novak Djokovic. I just think something clicked for him at the end of this season. I just thought that win, particularly at the year-end finals, it just looked like he finally believed, like, I am better than everyone else, even in these biggest, most pressure-packed moments. I know confidence has never been something Alex Zirov has lacked. And, again, any time you talk about Alex Zirov, go read Ben Rothenberg's piece, Slate, Racket Magazine. You can learn about the allegations he faced of physical and emotional abuse uh, of his former girlfriend, Alia Sharipova. But again, as long as he's going to be allowed to play on the court, it is our responsibility to discuss him objectively. And objectively, from a tennis standpoint, he's ready to win. And I'll tell you what, if Novak Djokovic is not in the draw, that is my pick to win the men's side. Let's flip gears, though. Whoa, sorry. Any final thoughts? No, I think Zverev, I think you said he, he never lacked confidence, at least from an outsider's perspective, but it did seem a little airy. It didn't seem yeah. like it was, it was quite real. Like, I it like wasn't it was confidence, like, it was arrogant. That's such yeah, a good way it, of putting it, Nate. Yeah, I just didn't think it was like, I was like, he doesn't really think that yet. Like, he'll get to there, but he's trying to speak it into existence. Towards, after, the, after he won Olympic gold, he won Cincinnati, and something changed with Zverev. Like, the, the mental uh, tightened up, and he really – flipped the switch I felt like where he where he really did believe now and think of himself as as one of the elites and he he feels like he can kind of win on any surface now Medvedev the last three years 2019 four set loss to Djokovic in the round of 16 which was quietly maybe the best match of that tournament 2020 he loses five sets to Stan last year obviously blown out of the water by Djokovic in that final but was playing so well in the lead up to that Australian Open final at the time if you remember was coming off of the year-end title and I believe if you looked at the numbers, was holding at the rate of John Isner and was breaking at the rate of Prime Rothman mm-hmm. Novak. So yep. we know Daniel's going to have the physicality. 
I think we've made very clear those three are the favorite on every hardcore event uh, if they are in the draw. So that's probably where you lean. We're both taking Djokovic if he's there. You got Medi. I'll take Zverev. In or I don't know. I didn't mean to impose it. You Medi or Zverev? Who you want in the non-Djokovic uh, category? I, I'll take Zverev. I mean, yeah, I, I think I've talked yeah. you into it, Nate Dog. I, I, I think I, you did. I'm, yeah. Yeah, it's tough because Medvedev, he, he's been there before, but I, I just think Zverev, at his best, he's better than Medvedev, I'm, I'm, on a hard court especially. I know, and it's crazy to say that given Medvedev's the Grand Slam champion and, you know, yeah, he won six Yeah, I've even row, tweeted like, out that Medvedev's been the best hardcore player in the last three years. I mean, like, at least across, not just counting the majors, counting every hardcore event, I feel like he's performed consistently the best, maybe, but... It's like Zverev is there now, and all he needed to do was overcome that mental hurdle. And if he's if he's done that, his weapons are as big and as dangerous as anybody's. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, that's the men's side. Give me the women's. Where are we going? Give me a Paula Badosa breakthrough. Wow. So you like the trend? You like again? She's just, outside the top seventy last year. Now yeah. inside, you know, hottest player probably to end the season. You're taking the Badosa bandwagon. I'm all, I'm all over the Bedosa bandwagon. I just think she has uh, – um, I mean, first off, what she's done with her fitness level is unbelievable. It looks like she puts the work in every day. I've been following her for a, a year and a half or so, and her and her team are relentlessly in the gym. Like, type of, It's like a Sakari-type um, mentality in the gym. and They're attacking every day, it looks like, with um, – just she's just getting bigger, stronger, faster – and she believes in herself, and I think she has fun playing the game. And I don't feel like she plays with, like, a, a, a big pressure on her shoulders, and she's out there swinging freely. I think she's a, a problem, and she's so athletic. She's just one of the – I think she's one of the cleanest movers, one of the cleanest ball strikers on the women's side. I love watching her game. I think she's she's got the goods. And, um, yeah, I think her – I like her versus Sabalenka in the final. All right, you said the buzzword. You know I'm on that Sabalenka bandwagon. He, I, I like to think me and Jeff Sackman created the Sabalenka beat. Obviously, I've given my Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club speech before. It's nice to get back there. It feels like we haven't referenced it in a while. Here's the obvious take. Garbin Muguruza ends the year on fire, right? And it was a yeah. poor Indian Wells showing for her, but, you know, she wins that Chicago title funkily and, you know, beats Owen Shabur and, you know, gets yeah. a couple of good wins down the home stretch. You could argue if she wins that second set against Barbara Krejcikova in the U.S. Open round of 16, of course, Krejcikova's cramping all these different weird things and Krejcikova ends up taking the match in straights. I swear to God, Nate Dog. If Muguruza wins that match, she wins the 2021 U.S. Open. And one of my biggest takeaways, and I've tweeted it out and we've talked about it, is that Muguruza left a slam on the table in 2021. And if she was healthy entering Mm -hmm. the French Open, I think she would have won it. I thought she was the best player through the first two months, three months of the 2021 season. I didn't think it was particularly close. Yes, Osaka's best was better than anyone else's in Australia. But let's be clear, who had two match points on her in Australia last year? It was Garbine Muguruza. That said, I, I have a theory that Muguruza, the moment you expect her to win a tournament, that's when she's not going to do it. Muguruza is at her best as the dark horse, as the undervalued, unexpected winner. Now, obviously, she's going to have some expectations on her coming into Australia. You look at someone like Annette Conteve, who, you know, to quote my, is it Alicia Keys? I I forget who, you're going to have to look this up, but that girl was on fire, like, <laughs> without a doubt. Who is that? I, is this uh, – that's got to be Alicia Keys, right? I think you're right. I'll be, yeah. I'll, I think yeah. we, need to, we need to pop culture quiz. Yeah, I was going to say, do some quick Googling as I finish this rant. But, look, I mean, 
Conteve, Bedosa, Muguruza were your three hottest players to end the season. There's no doubt about that. That said, you look for Arena Sabalenka, I thought she was that. I just think her power tennis, you know, can hit anyone off the court. And I do think, is it Alicia Keys? You're giving me a little yes, thumbs sir. up? Yeah. Yes, sir. You know, there's a yep. couple, of th- that's right in my strike zone. So, again, a little bit of a story here. We had au pairs growing up. And so, my music preferences are tailored to like 20 to 22 year old women. And obviously, that's right up there. You know, that's right up the alley is this girl is on fire. And so, believe me, I can hit that note hard. I would do so if all of my family wasn't asleep outside of this office where I'm recording right now. I'd have given you the full-throated rendition. I just don't want to wake them all up, especially to Alicia Keys via Alex Gruskin. Like, I don't think that's what they're looking for. I am looking for a big year from Sabalenka. And I've said this on prior podcasts. I think I'm going to pick her to win every slam until she wins a slam because I just want to be right when she does win that first one. There you go. I don't, you know, Krejcikova was excellent. But is she, she felt like is, everything is she the Zverev? Is she the Zverev of the women's tour? We're like, you're just waiting for that moment. It's a really good comparison to make. Um, I mean, again, the power tennis arena can play is so yeah. impressive, but Arena Sabalenka is bad. It was still not great. The difference being the bad got a little bit – got so much better. Not a little bit better. So much yeah. better in 2021. I think it was like 14 of her 17 losses last year came in three sets, some number like that. It shows you I haven't been looking at Tennis Abstract much recently. But um, oh, if you're making a short list, Conteve's got to be on it. I agree with you. Bedosa's got to be on it. Mukaruza's got to be on it. Sabalenka's got to be on it. You ready for this pivot though? Give Ooh. me Naomi Osaka to win the Australian Open. I still think Naomi Osaka on a hard court is just better than any other player in the women's game on a hard court. And obviously, she is flying under the radar entering this Australian Open. And it's such a relief to just get her back at this field. But, like, I just want to quickly go over her hard court. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I just – we don't – do we know where she is mentally and physically? Like, is is she locked? I I just can't – I have no bearing on where she is in her – uh, career right now if she's kind of locked in and wanting to play tennis and feels like she's putting in the time off the court or if she's kind of going through the motions a little bit and I I mean I don't know honestly but I, I just feel like she lost a little bit of that momentum and it's hard even when you are as talented as Naomi Osaka it's hard to get that back and there are so many young talents that want a major that are hungry so it's not going to get easier and if you're not all the way in two feet down on this it's, it's not going to uh, be something you can kind of just walk up to the Australian Open and kind of cruise your way through fair but let me give you the counter to that last year 16 and 4 on hard courts here are the four losses obviously she wins australia she goes to miami loses 0 and 4 to maria sakari not a bad loss sakari a top 10 player one of the breakthrough stars of last year goes to tokyo olympics loses round of 16 to marketa von Drusova. now obviously at the time it seemed like a bad loss von Drusova goes on to the silver medal of the tournament and I think she's one of the dark horse to make a sneaky run in Australia she ended the season in such good form look for a bounce back 2022 not even a bounce back but maybe even more of a breakthrough 2022 from the 2020 French Open finalist she goes to Cincinnati lose you know beats Coco Gauff in three sets loses in three sets to eventual finalist Jill Teichman like I don't think that was a bad loss again context being key at the time it did seem like it was a little yeah at the time I was like oh but But now we know with hindsight Teichman yep. was just lights out that week. The other loss, yep. three sets at the U.S. Open to finalist Layla Fernandez. Like, there was not a single bad loss on hard courts on Naomi yep. Osaka's resume. The worst loss was probably the 0-4 loss to Sakari in Miami or the 1-4 loss in Tokyo to Von Drusova. And again, 
I don't qualify those as as bad losses. She still is that good on hard courts. Now, we haven't mentioned Ashley Barty. She's got to be on your short list as well. She lost like five times last year. I don't know why, and I don't know if that's just like a boring pick for me or what, but like, Marty's a stud. I'm like, she's she's, she's so good. She's, she's the most so underrated, exceptional player. Like, I know that's crazy to say she's <laughs> number one in the freaking world, but Ashley Barty's underrated. Like, I, really I don't think do I've ever think. predicted her to win a slam, and I don't know why. I just, I don't know if I just feel like it's a boring. I don't know why I don't pick her because every time I watch her play, I'm like, she's. I mean, she fights for every point. She's, she's so talented. Than, exactly. It's just like, I mean, oh, you're gonna win this point too. Oh, you're gonna, yeah. you know, you're gonna find a way to hit another forehand to move forward. It's just like again to see her winning with the pressure of the Australian crowd. I need to see it to believe it. Now, in terms of things left to accomplish in Ashley Barty's career, and I'm not saying she's gonna retire anytime soon. I'm not saying she should any of that nonsense. I'm just saying she's already accomplished a bunch of stuff, and it's just like mm-hmm. you know, you're making the short list at her age to have accomplished all these different things. It's remarkable and. Yeah, like we could do a full site again. She had a career high last year in break percentage. It felt like that backhand return was her biggest weakness. You know, Mm -hmm. it's no longer a weakness. She was top 20 in break percentage. She was, you know, one of eight players to be top 20 in both hold and break percentage. And of course, she's number two in hold percentage behind Naomi Osaka, who's number one. Like, yes. Again, it's the most underrated world number one, and I'm about to send out that tweet. Is Ashley Barty as world number one still underrated? Yes or no? That feels like a Dan Labatard poll, but we're going to fire out that poll after this one. Um, I mean, I'm going to pick Osaka, but, like, yeah. Don't slay. You're right. Ashley Barty is so freaking good, and I just— Yeah. I, I mean, I know it's it's like stupid to call her underrated, but like I do think she's underrated somehow. So I'm going to fire off that tweet as we're speaking. With that in mind, let's move on and we'll go a little quicker through these next ones. Obviously, French Open, lay it on me, Nate Dog. Who you got? I think this is where we see Rafa get his final slam of his career. Um, I don't. I just with his. I mean, he's just a, an aging star. I think he's going to put it all on the line here in Paris. They build him the statue. He's got to get one with, with during his career with the statue built, and I just think this is a place where he's going to make sure he's all the way healthy. He's, he's geared up for it, and I think he wants. I think he wants this one badly. I think he wants one more. Put a little pressure on Novak to get 22. I would love to see it. I think it's just like we need to see him go out on top. Like I would. Like, I would not be mad if Rafa won that, finished off the year, and, and if he was. I mean, I don't think he'll he'll probably play until he's 42, knowing Rafa. But like, it just feels like he's constantly bat- battling injuries and stuff. How much longer does he want to kind of go through this this um, kind of what, what what you want to call it, like body management or whatever you minutes of management on the court? I think he can capture this number 14 in Paris. It'll be a uh, a huge um, success story, just with all the stuff he's battled and. He really Novak kind of took it out of him this past year at the at the at the French Open final, and Rafa was really never quite himself again um, with with the foot injury, and so I'm hoping Rafa's fully healthy. I think we see him get number 21, and I, I mean, frankly, I'm, that's what I'm rooting for. I would love to see it just get that final major, make sure everybody remembers who the king of clay is, and he gets the number 21, the magic number, um, and I think it'll kind of it'll kind of put pressure on Novak to again go go get another one whether that's at Wimbledon a couple a few weeks later or what yeah it's a good call and I've made a pledge that until Rafa loses twice in a row at the French Open he is my pick to win the event and it is worth remembering 
probably the best match Novak Djokovic played in 2021 was the semifinal French at the French Open against Rafa to beat him. And, yeah, you know, yeah. it's a match we'll always call the curfew extender because they extended the curfew in Paris that night to allow Rafa and, and Djokovic to finish that match. And Yep. That was I a mean, wild match. Oh, it was. I mean, that Novak was, played <clears throat> so well. It was such good tennis from him. Yep. I mean, team's not healthy. This is really I'm guessing no, sorry, are there back to back are there back to back boring picks? I just took Novak at the Aussie and then Rafa at Roland Garros. Well, no, I, don't know. I think I'm about to agree with you. Um, but no, I mean, I think you have to pick them. They've earned the benefit mm-hmm. of the doubt, and this is the end of the big three era. So you can hear doubt creeping into both of our predictions here. But nah, I don't think it. I think it's a good pick. I'll, I'll take Rafa as well. Women's side, French Open has been chaos the past couple of years. Sviantec rips through it in 2020. Obviously, last year, the Krejcikova emergence yep. happens there. But, of course, you go to that semifinal. Maria Sakkari serving for that match. She wins. It's another inflection point in the tennis season. Mm-hmm. I mean, give me the call, Nate Dog. Who wins on the women's side? See, that would be, I'll to t- me, maybe I'd take Bedosa there as opposed to Australia. I just think some of the field is better on hard courts than they are on clay. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, actually, you notice how I'm talking over you. I promised I would give a no. prediction first. That is where I'm going to take Garbine Muguruza to win the 2022. Ah, I should have given it up. I should have given it up. Yeah. I should have take, taken the stage while I had it. Yeah. Um, I think this is where your girl Muguruza pulls through for, yeah. for a, a French Open title here. Um, I just, like you said, I think the clay court, how, how these girls move, is you can, can kind of set yourself apart a little bit easier than you can on a hard court where I feel like most of the field is comfortable. Um, the clay court is it's a, it's a different um, feel for especially the guys the, the girls that can defend it's not as uh, comfortable for some of these girls so I think Muguruza who's showed that she can play a, at her best on clay I think she's uh, going to be a problem to take out but if you're going to take Muguruza I will take oh give me it's give tough. me the the under give me Coco Golf give me Coco Golf to, to come out and take it. It, it, I, I want. I want to see Coco Golf. Where she won't have the pressure on her shoulders that she will at Wimbledon or at the U.S. Open. And I think she's continued to get better on clay and kind of finding her footing on that surface. I think her weapons and her ability to hit with heavy topspin, hit her kick serve over uh, over the shoulder um, of these women is like, and that's a problem. If she gets the ball to your backhand, gets the first ball forehand, and plays uh, just strike first tennis, she's going to be a tough one to take out. Yeah, no, it's a good call. I want to give a shout-out again to Sabalenka because I just think if she's playing her best power tennis, she can absolutely win it. Shout-out to Iga Sviantek as well. Shout-out to Simona Halep, who got sneaky better at the end of last season. If she's healthy come the French Open, again, yeah, Sviantek blitzed her in 2020, but Sviantek blitzed everyone at that event. Outside of Iga, Simona was the best player in 2020 mm-hmm. uh, on clay, yeah. and I do think she is that good. I don't think she can be slept on, but you know we'll get to the French Open when we get there. All right, Wimbledon might be the toughest because— Yeah, this is the one I, I struggle with the most. Here's the question. If it's pop. not Djokovic for the men, because obviously Djokovic is the, the obvious frontrunner. He's just the guy we've seen most clearly play on the surface. But like, if it's not him— 
are mm-hmm. you going to pick Berrettini? You're going to pick Medvedev? You're going to pick like zero yeah. guys on grass courts? We just haven't seen them play that frequently. You'd think, well, Federer was great on grass. Why isn't Tsitsipas great on grass? Well, he lost first round to Tiafo last year. You know, my friend Gil Gross has a theory that Carlos Alcaraz's best surface is actually going to be grass courts, and it's one of my favorite theories out there because no one's saying that. Um, That's interesting. I, I, I yeah, I it, this that feels like before. the wild card on the men's side. On the women's side. Lock in Ashley Barty. I don't think she loses. I mean, yes, yeah, she'll lose another Wimbledon match again, but I could see a world where she rips off five Wimbledon titles in her career. The slice, the variety, her ability to move yep. forward, her footwork, her volleying. She is the best grass court player in the women's game right now. Um, I will take her on the yeah, women's side I, pretty unequivocally. I have no idea what to do on the men's, if not Djokovic. No, I, I mean, who on the men do you feel like has that ability to stay on the baseline, chip the ball, move forward, dictate? off first ball counter punch i mean it's like it's just such a different game i feel like the grass court game even though the, the surface has been slowing down since um i don't know 10 years ago it feels like it's a slower surface these days and it feels like we're seeing a quicker b- bigger power hitting tennis on uh in new york and in melbourne but who do you think has that variation in their game and ability to, to attack and um it's kind of it requires more of an all-court game that can stay close to the baseline i feel like in the men's side it's a great question. I mean, obviously, I, I, I don't think it's Berrettini. I, I don't think it's Berrettini. I mean, I know he showed a lot of promise in 2021, reaching the final at in um, at the All England Club, but I don't. So I mean, he, he here's he, the he, thing. He, yeah, the weight of Andre Rublev's ball feels particularly impactful on grass because how do you change direction with that for like he hits that forehand at you, your momentum's you're naturally falling backwards because of how heavy mm-hmm. that ball is. He could be sneaky good on the grass course. We've seen him have success in the warm-up events leading up to it. Yeah. But, man, I don't know. Like, it is really true. That's why I'm picking Djokovic. It's the bailout pick, but, like, I know his game works on grass course, and he was so much better than the field last year. I'm sure the field will narrow that gap this year. But that, to me, is why, like, Djokovic just has to be the pick. I feel like Novak, his his, the uh, evolution of his drop shot and his ability to make – guys look like elephants on the grass where they're trying to plant and, and push as a off volleyer the too the serve, yeah, serve and volley sure. novak looked good in in uh at wimbledon uh-huh no that's fair and i, I mean yeah, he even showed glimpses of that at the atp finals um moving forward at, at a at a, a more uh higher volume so i think i think novak's the pick for me as well but if i'm not going to pick novak does a guy like Herkoch who had the, ooh, the ooh, ooh, that is spicy my friend I mean, he's going 135 first serve. He's got, he's got, he can hit off both wings as, as strong as almost anybody on tour. He trusts his movement on that surface. He's got the calm, cool demeanor that is going to allow him to kind of stay mentally engaged in these matches. And I mean, I think that's a guy that you know, I've listened to Craig Boyton on a, a podcast recently, and like he, they're putting that belief in him, and he's he's starting to kind of come with come within his own and. He'll be, I think, 24 at that time, which is like the prime of his, like it's kind of entering the prime of his career. I think, I think Hubie could be a uh, sneaky pick there. See, this is why I love you, Nate Dog, because you know I get angry when people plug other pods. I have no problem listening to other pods, but you don't drop the title. That's just near and dear to <laughs> my heart, Nate Dog. You, you just get me, so I appreciate that gift. Hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna wake up before 8 a.m. for me, I, I can I, I can at least do you that. Oh man. it's been a great year i'm really happy we get to do these nate this has been delightful um all right that's good that's fun i'm gonna throw one other name out there felix 
Felix Ogier Aliasim. I, like I could it. see I like it clicking for him. Oh, both of the Canadians, by the way, Shapo, who makes the semifinals at Wimbledon this year as well. I think you know, it always felt like if Milos Raonic, by the way, was going to sneak one out, and that's another player not playing the Australian Open. Should have mentioned that at the top. So sad that we don't get to see healthy Milos anymore. But man, the Canadians. That's the if I if it's not Djokovic, look out for the Canadians. You, on the are, men's are, side. are you taking a tandem? Are you taking a tandem pick here? You get both of those guys in your prediction. <sighs> Yeah, I'll I mean, give it to you. It's, it's my I like show. It. I get I right. get as many right. names as I want. I'll take them all. Um, I'm just <laughs> just messing with you. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. It's funny we yeah. haven't mentioned, by the way, Bianca Andreescu once on this podcast when making predictions. If healthy, she's just not healthy, yeah. and that's the problem. Yeah. It's like you just never know when we're going to see her. Is she playing Australia? I don't think she is. I think I don't think. No, she's yeah, not. I think that's I, another yeah, name we already, should have mentioned at the top, which yeah. is just like man, she these Canadians. Up. She put out a statement. She needed more time to yeah. recover. Which, again, yeah. take your time. You're 22 yep. years old. I want a healthy Bianca Andreescu, not a rush to go play Bianca Andreescu. Don't worry yeah. about the ranking. You will get a wild card into every event you want to play for the rest of your career. Yeah, Be healthy. Yeah, but that's another name to just keep an eye on. All right, last but not least, U.S. Open. Who you got for me? This is the one I had Sasha uh, initially. I didn't. I, yeah, yeah, I have Sasha winning this one. Regardless, this even is- if Djokovic is in the field? Yeah, I think this is an advice. I, yeah. God, I respect yeah. the crap out of yeah. you right now, Nate. Let's go. Yeah. I, I just think Sasha is just I he I think the heart the American hardcore lead up into the US Open allows him to kind of just continuously snowball confidence heading into New York. And I think he set himself up scheduling wise, um at, at this major in particular, in order to get his game in the best shape possible. And I think at the US Open um, a place where he's, he, I mean, he had a heck of a match against Novak this past year. I think he's just going to continue to to build on that, and it's just another another play. I keep the big stage in New York is it kind of fits him, and he seems to love playing there. Uh, he's, the, the, I think it's the fastest major now uh, as far as surface wise, and I just think he'll be after he'll play a good Cincinnati, he'll play good in Cincinnati. I think he'll take a, he could take another title at the Western Southern, and then. Going into that U.S. Open, I think he's going to be the favorite. I, I think Vegas will have him as the favorite as well, if I had to predict. Him or Medvedev. I, I do think that's a good call. I don't think it's going to be Novak to win unless he doesn't play Australia, in which case, yes, he is going to win the 2020. And especially if Rafa wins the French Open, then I do think he can, he will win. Just He's going to be like, no, 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 no. I want this record, and I want this yeah. record right now. I should have mentioned at the French Open, and this is all just thoughts filtering back to me. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm sure you're like, oh, good. We're jumping all over the place. We really are back. 1A at the French Open is Rafa, 1B is Djokovic, 2A is Zverev and Tsitsipas, 3 is Kasper Ruud. I would love to see a big Kasper Ruud breakthrough, and he's yet to make a you know quarterfinal run at a Grand Slam. I think that has to happen this season. It doesn't have to happen. I think it will. Ha- well, it has to happen in the sense that it will happen. Like, it's just, yeah. you can lock that in. The guy is just, he beats, you know, I think Gil tweeted out this stat. 37 and 3 against opponents ranked outside the top 40 to end the 2022 season, uh, 2021 season. That's just freaking Shout nuts. Team yeah, exactly. Team Yonix. I love it. Shout out to Yoni, our guy. Um, yes, sir. Ooh. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I think Zverev, Medvedev, Djokovic are so much better than everyone else. Right? Not so much better, but they're I just think- better than everyone else on hard courts right now. Sinner's the one to watch for. He's got those young, fresh legs. Alcaraz as well. Come the Australian, or come the U.S. Open. We don't know the burnout with those other guys. That is where I think they may be most dangerous. It's just helpful to be twenty in year nine, uh, in month nine of an ATP season. I mean. 
it's so boring to say I'm taking Novak Rafa, Novak, Novak. Yeah, yeah. So I'll do it. Yeah, I'll roll with you. I'll tell you, we'll ride the. I mean, what, I, am, I, what am I not going to take Medvedev, though? And, and I, I want to see the numbers on Zverev's forehand. I feel like yeah. he was. Like, we, we saw Medvedev sit on his forehand cross court um, in their last, what, what was that, the ATP finals, the first matchup they had. Mm-hmm. And then it seemed like something something turned um, for Zverev where he was able to find that forehand down the line which can be so dangerous. If he's trusting that shot on a hard court, it makes him nearly impossible to beat. And that was like, that's like the last bit that he needed to kind of solve was that, that quick, um, just changing the direction of the ball, finding the down the line ball so he can get back to the forehand and unload. And it seems like that's a shot he's begun to trust even more. And if, if he's trusting that with any regularity, that is, that's a problem. Yeah, it, it's, again, and Medvedev's going to be right there. He's made the U.S. Open final past... Uh, last season, he made semifinals the year before, finals the year before that. He thr- you know, he will have legs come the end of the season. You can pencil him in to yep. make that final four of the field. Women's side, who you got? I'll, I'll go first here. Give me Arena Sabalenka. I'm just locking <laughs> that prediction in. She's winning one this season. It's happening there. Okay. Um, Sabalenka, man. I had... She's going to be Jill Teichman in the final. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, she's going to be Clara Tossin in the Isn't final. He, that's actually not too much of a joke. No, I'm so not, in on Clara Tossin. You're, you're, right all, you're all in on, on Clara Tossin. That's funny. Uh, give me, gosh, I I think I, I'm going to do what you did. I, I think Bedosa's going to win one of these hardcore slams. I'm, I'm going to take her at, at the U.S. Open as well. I just, I like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all the way in on the Bedosa bandwagon. I just think she has the firepower and the freedom in her game. The fluidity is there. She just, I think she's playing and having more fun than almost anybody else on the women's side. There just doesn't seem to be like that, like that pressure on her shoulders, the weight that other, like a girl like Sabalenka has. And she, it seems like she kind of feels that. I, I think Bedosa is still somewhat of an underdog when it comes to the slams. I think she's going to put, put the world on notice and, and capture either the Aussie or the U.S. Open. Yeah. It's, uh, look, it's, it's a fair take. <sighs> Am I, am, I see, that, am, am, am I not – are you, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Like, I, I've, I probably watched, I don't know, 10, 10 to 12 matches of Bedosa this past season. Yeah. Um, I just feel like she has a level of athleticism and her movement and, like, the confidence is – I mean, what, what am I missing? Does she have everything you're looking for? It's in the a, weapon. A it's just like what is the overwhelming weapon? You're right. From a floor perspective in terms of finding a weakness, and I do agree with you that in modern tennis it's about minimizing weaknesses more than maximizing strengths. She does not have mm-hmm. a weakness. Forehand, mm-hmm. backhand, movement, serve. She can do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have an overwhelming weapon though either. Like I, there's not a single ground stroke or thing that she turns to where I say that is definitively better than every other mm-hmm. top 10 player in the world. Like right. for Sabalenka, Sabalenka you, have, that. Yeah, you yeah. have the serve. For Muguruza, it's the weapons from the baseline. When she's on top of that baseline taking that ball early, she is yeah. just ruthless and Muguruza-less. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> but her, yeah, her ability to catch the ball on the rise, Muguruza, yeah. and, and not get pushed off the baseline is... is and I do think Bedosa's like Muguruza point nine. Like, again, it's yeah. 90% of what Muguruza can do. There's a lot mm-hmm. to like there. I like Muguruza's ability to push forward, and I like that she hits the swinging volley more frequently to take time away. I would love to see Bedosa start working those sorts of things into her game because certainly with her counter-punching from the baseline, she has that ability. That's such a big shot in women's tennis. It's, it's it might such be a big shot. The differentiator. you got to yeah. have the swinging volley, and you got to trust it in the big moments. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's but, why, that's why you saw the Leila Fernandez and the, yeah. the success from her. I mean, 
she's she trusts herself on those shots that like to me it's a tricky shot to have in your bag but the girls that have it it sets them apart for sure yeah. no for sure all right i like that with that in mind more likely the end of the season top 10 radicanu or alcaraz oh that's a that's a beefy question right there um that's ooh. by the way that's on the twitter poll and and for the record ooh. i fired out the tweet right now and it's very early but we are 27 votes in 56 percent say yes barty still underrated she is, that's a fact um give me wow i think alcaraz i just think alcaraz is i think it's going to be just so the, the, the men is loaded right now with the top 15 is so deep but i think alcaraz just has a, a gear and a level and his mental is just well beyond his years. I think Alcaraz is just – he's beyond motivated, and I think he's going to put himself in position. He's not backing up too many points where it's going to be um, – like I think he, he, if he reaches a, a semi at a slam and makes and has some title – has a mess, I think he gets one or two Masters 1000s this year, one on clay maybe, one on hard court. I don't know. I think that guy's <laughs> to the moon right now. I, I just don't think that that train is slowing down anytime soon. I'll take Alcaraz. It's a good pick. I mean, Radicano's got the slam points in her back right. pocket. So, like, if right. she has a successful first six months, it's just more likely yeah. that she'll do it. For sure. Alcaraz yep. has a bunch of challenger points to defend, but all those challenger points, as you mentioned, are going to turn into ATP points. Right. So, does he have to, so who'll have to defend those challenger points, though? Yeah, they'll have to defend all the points. That's the problem. Is And there's a lot that's, of points that's, to defend. So then, yeah, but, that's like, but the that's... thing is, two ATP victories, like, and you defend two titles like that's the yeah. crazy thing about the scale yeah. the thing right. is radicano has got a lot of blank slate on her resume as well so it's all just free points added i mean i Not, hate agreeing yeah. but i do agree like it's gotta be i just alcaraz you watched him at the end of the season and you're like how is this guy not already in the top 10 he's that good right now but again that's against a, brandon nakashima at the next gen finals was a hundred percent that's that's that guy in a nutshell i mean what doesn't he have i mean He's got the weapons. He's got. He can defend. I mean, he's got touch. He's he can finesse guys. He can blow through guys. So that. I mean, I'm just excited for his future. He's like tennis. We we don't get guys at that age where we just are like, oh man, this guy's gonna be around for a while and he'll be a top tenner for the next decade. But it feels like we have one of those guys now, Krez. So I'm here to just get my popcorn, sit back, and watch the show. I love it. Well, with that in mind, Nate Dog, we had more predictions planned, but I think we've nailed them. So we can end today's show here, obviously. Again, last thoughts to you. Any year-end plans? Anything we should know about? Any final plugs? No, let's see. No, I, I don't, not that I know of. I'm, I'm excited for these uh, launches. and 2022 collections are coming in. Um, the, the Yonix V-Core, or sorry, the Yonix E-Zone just released last week. That's a <clears throat> super cool stick. Uh, just an upgrade for, cosmetically and a couple minor tweaks to the uh, technology in it. But beautiful racket. They're going to have Shapovalov made the change from the V-Core to the E-Zone. So uh, that's just exciting news and for, the, for the tennis nerds like myself that are care about the rackets. Um, yeah, I think that's – Yonix, I just – this past year, I grew a new respect for Yonix, and I think I've stressed on this pod. Those guys do a phenomenal job from product standpoint, 50 quality inspections, Per, per item that comes out of the of Japan, so I think those guys are just. They, I feel like they really encapsulated the, the tennis market and put put a uh, a strong product on the court this year. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And again, you know who also puts out a strong product? You guys over at Tennis Point, without whom we would not be able to do. I think we fired out 
like 300 plus mini breaks over the course of this season none of that is possible without the support we get from all of you so one last time here in 2022 that's actually a lie i'll do it 2021 i'll do this on tomorrow's pod i'll do this all the way through the week how can i forget we also just released publicly that we are partners with the tennis channel now so oh, that came out tov, my friend westoff give me that yeah. applause sound effect please yeah, it's, dude, it's freaking awesome. You guys deserve it. And again, you guys are killing it. We are so grateful for all the support we get from all of you. We are immensely, again, thankful for just, you know, you guys willing to stick with us day in, day out. And again, we were with you in the Midwest sports days, now through to the tennis point days. It's just been a constant, whether it's you, whether it's Colleen, whether it's Dave, whether it's all of these people. We are so grateful here at Crack Rackets. So the least we can do, ask our supporters, tennis-point.com. That promo code is CR15 for all of your tennis equipment needs with all of that said nate dog again fun just some fun content here this off season you know we're covering it from every angle you miss any of our content college tennis interviews pro tennis analysis junior tennis analysis we've literally hit it all you'd find all of that coverage on our website crackedrackets.com of course like rate subscribe review to this show mini bra uh, the great shot podcast cracked interviews podcast and our youtube channel if you need the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube we are at crack rackets you want to message me directly i'm at great shot pod you want to message nate directly i want to say at nate underscore walrith uh that might be incorrect but just search nate walrith you can find you got on it. there that's easy enough of course a shout out as always to our super producer daniel westoff who has a f- of an editing job to do and without whom none of our content would be possible so shout out to stoff the man behind the scenes as always with all of that said for the last time nate dog for my fantastic co-host nate walworth our super producers fligner and westoff our friends at tennis point from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin nate what do we tell our listeners that's the break. And we Tennis will point see, Tuesday. We will see you all next year. Thank you as always, my friend. My man, you're going to be on the Pure Tennis Podcast real soon. I can't wait to have you on there. Oh, looking forward to it. We'll talk soon.